And I often ask my question about, ask myself this question about safety. I say, what did I do or not do that contributed directly or indirectly to Myra's death? Welcome to Safety Help with Tony Collins. Join him to learn how to improve workplace safety to be legally compliant, win more contracts, and increase profits. Welcome back, listeners, here with Mike Bennett, who's the Chief Executive of Z Energy. Now, Mike has nearly 30 years working in the oil industry. Uh, Z Energy itself has over 200 retail stores and nearly 100 truck stops, over 3,000 employees or partners or contractors. So basically, it's a complicated and a dangerous business to be in. And so today we're going to get a chief executive perspective on safety in such an environment. So thanks, Mike, for coming on. Great. I'm very pleased to be here. So I thought I'd start off by asking right off the bat, because I've been to your website and your tagline, even in your email and in your annual reports, you can tell safety is really important. Safety first. Why is safety important to Z Energy? Well, I think it actually has a, a number of dimensions. I think if you took the most obvious one, we run a hazardous business or the products we sell are hazardous. Therefore, in order for us to deliver the commercial outcomes that we're committed to and that our shareholders expect, we have to make sure we we run safely and reliably, and that means we don't want to go blowing things up or damaging the environment with our hazardous products. So the first thing is it just makes a whole lot of business sense. Uh, Then secondly, I think in terms of the values of this company, uh, I was very fortunate that I inherited a company that was 99 years old under the Shell ownership. And then we've since brought sort of the Z Energy branding to all of that. And so what we've done is been able to put together a set of values inside the company where we actually care about this stuff. I mean, I like to, to show that I care about it, but actually all of the people who work for us, they equally care about it because it matters to them in terms of their own personal safety, given they work in hazardous operations in our business. But we have things like 60 million customers a year come across our forecourts so if we didn't care about safety, we're putting at risk that you know, 60 million people or the equivalent thereof as those you know, sort of the 4 million Kiwis come and visit us all those times. So it's a very much a values thing. And I think that when you c- can connect with safety at the level of values, you've probably got a lot more opportunity available to you rather than if you just connect to it at a logical level or at the level of sort of commercial outcomes. Sure, and I can tell that you're really passionate around safety. As a chief executive, how do you go about leading and driving safety throughout your organisation? Yeah, so one of the phrases we use inside uh, our company around that is what we call visible safety leadership. And there's different ways of doing that. You can have uh, safety walkabouts. You can go into your operational activities and, and be visible. Uh, you can equally pay attention to those people who do well. So often it's it's probably more important to recognise the, the many acts that are done to keep things safe rather than being on site investigating an incident That's when something really goes good wrong. Good yeah, point. So yeah. Affirming the positive is a really important part of that. Uh, another practice that I have is uh, once a month I just drop an email to or a blog to everybody in, inside Z and just it's what I call my um, health and safety reflection. So whatever's on my mind at the time, I just let them know what's on my mind. And I, I clearly I don't randomly generate that. I think about what's the theme that's most appropriate for where the company's at right now or what have I recently experienced or where have I recently dropped the ball or felt I wasn't doing so well. And so I would share you know, sort of my own thoughts. So I think it's a combination of you know, good systems, target setting, paying attention, 
uh, to the procedures, being visible, mm-hmm. and equally, I think, being human. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I'd like to think that people will, will hear me say from time to time, you know, I don't know what the right answer is here. I don't know what great safety leadership looks like for the CEO of a company like this. So can, can you tell me what you'd expect, sure. yeah, whether you're a stakeholder, an employee, a contractor, or indeed a partner that we may have a sort of more enduring relationship with? How do you find people respond to the safety blog? Yeah, I, I get mixed messages on that, actually. Uh, sometimes when, you, when you're, you're the boss and you send things out, um, silence can be interpreted different ways. It either means people didn't care or they might go, oh, I, I don't know how to respond to that. So I, I, I take a little bit of the silence, possibly being a little bit of both of those. Um, uh, equally, a number of people, I'd say each month, maybe five or ten people would come back to me out of the 200 or, or the nearly 300 people who received that email directly. And they would either come back to me face-to-face or they would drop me an email. Uh, and, and sometimes I get challenged, which I really appreciate. People say, well, do you realise that's not quite how it works or how, do you know how hard that would be for me to do that? Uh, most of the time, uh, people come back and say, wow, I hadn't thought about that or it's really good to see that you, you brought that up. And when I talk about health and safety, I, I, I do talk as much about health as I do about uh, safety mm. uh, because in a business like ours, where you mentioned we have 3,000 people who interact with us, uh, sort of, you know, three hundred of those sit in an office, which is you know, much less hazardous than working in a terminal where we store fuel, or working in a service station, or, or driving a truck. So I think it's a combination of all of those things that uh, that really matters. Visibility. I try to be authentic in what I do, and I'd encourage any safety leader to do what b- works best for them or what they feel most comfortable for around safety leadership, but not shy away from being invisible on things because you. You don't want to sort of go onto a site and, and not really know how it works. Uh, yeah, I think it's okay to go onto a site and not know how the operations work and just engage with people and say, well, tell me about your job. You know, what are the hazards that you face? Mm. Do you feel well supported? Mm. So what turns your mind to, to putting this personal importance on safety? Was there a, a, a particular event in the past or was it a, a, an evolution, a series of learnings and appreciation of the you know the business benefit etc what was it it was a mixture of both actually so yeah, when you in the industry like I was I, I started in the in the mid 80s where you know safety was a focus given the hazardous nature of, of the sector that I worked in but it wasn't necessarily systemic uh, or as well organized as it is today so I was on that evolution and I like always like to think that for the company that I worked for I was a good example of safety leadership but uh, for one time there, I worked in South Africa, and I was responsible for a business unit of about 500 people uh, where somebody died. Uh, and it wasn't a sort of workplace accident. Uh, it was one of our uh, HR employees driving a company car on a public holiday on a road in Johannesburg with clear blue skies, and she lost control of the vehicle and crashed. And because it was a company asset, our procedures required us to investigate the incident. So it was just awful to intrude upon the grief of her family, which is a very private matter given it happened during a, a public holiday, to actually go and do the procedure. And so once I'd sort of come to grips with that myself, I can recall um, driving home a couple of weeks later and just thinking to myself, and I often ask my question about ask myself this question about safety. I say, what did I do or not do that contributed directly or indirectly to Myra's death? And I worded it deliberately that way because I thought, well, uh, 
you know, did we have that debate properly about whether we put um, airbags in cars or whether we bought cars with um, ABS brakes? So this, you know, this was a number of years ago. And uh, when someone you work with dies, even though it was outside of work, it sort of yeah, it was a typical, a typical sort of accident because you know most of the accidents that do have, take place in our industry are actually car accidents, traffic accidents, rather than things blowing up. Yeah, um, and then it was about a month later. Uh, another colleague of mine, so not in my business unit, uh, was was killed in another car accident. His car was was hit on a level train crossing uh, in Zimbabwe. And yeah, when it just comes close to home, and you think, well, yeah, we followed the procedures, we do all of these things, but people still died. Yeah, what did I do or not do as a safety leader that contributed directly or indirectly to yeah, the mm. outcome? And so that made it a lot more personal for me. And I'd say up until then, I probably. I had a, an attitude of compliance towards safety, and then after those things, I had an attitude of commitment. And I think it's quite a it's a it's a subtle subtle difference in language, but I think it's quite a profound difference in terms of how you think and behave. And thanks for sharing that. The listeners out there hopefully will not have to go through this uh, type of event. I'm, I'm wondering how they could learn from this without having to go through that, because often everyone will hear those sorts of incidents. Yeah. You read about them all the time. Yeah. How do we get them to emotionalise that and, and realise that that could actually affect their business? I think that's a that's a great question. Unfortunately, there's lots of examples out there for I think for people to relate to. If you, you know, imagine if you, uh, I think at whatever level level of leadership you have in your company, you'd say, if I had been at my level of leadership at Pike River, you know, what would I have done or not done that contributed directly or indirectly to what happened? So I think I'd encourage all safety leaders to actually put themselves in whatever circumstance comes on TV, whether it is something as, as tragic but simple as a car accident or um, a heavy load falling on someone in a workplace versus a, you know, a larger scale tragedy like you know, the Gulf of Mexico you know, explosion or uh, Pike River or many of the other incidents that, that happened. I think there's enough on television. And I think if people just slow themselves down and put themselves in the shoes of the chief executive, the CFO, the operational manager, the the, the safety leader, or the forecourt um, or, or foreman on site, I think it doesn't if you re, if you really want to get committed to safety, it doesn't take you long to put yourself in the shoes of others. Yeah, and you mentioned before writing the blog or the newsletter, the health and safety reflection. So mm-hmm. it's sort of what you're talking about and recommending people do reflect, take a bit of time out of your schedule, yeah, and have a, refl- a reflect upon what's going on and what's happening in other areas and how yeah. they would affect you. Mm. Talking about you've got a large number of uh, contractors or suppliers, how do you drive an increase in safety performance in your supply chain? Yeah, that's a fantastic question, and clearly it's very topical right now, sort of post-Pike River and with sort of the workplace safety New Zealand initiatives, all that stuff happening. So in Z we have a combination of things, I think. If I I spoke about the, the things that people would be more expecting to hear from me is, you know, we have a management system uh, around health and safety, and we expect contractors who work for us to have the same. Now, they don't have to have the same system as us, but we need to have evidence that they actually have a system. And if they work for us, say, uh, on, on, a, on a service station, they need to follow our permit to work process, etc., etc. So there's a whole bunch of systems and procedures that we require from our contractors. Uh, secondly, again, I come back to that visible leadership piece. We spend time with with our contractors. So, for example, um, our 
delivery of fuel through through the trucks. We have you know, almost a hundred trucks driving around New Zealand. They're not actually owned by Z. They're they're owned by Hookers Pacific, and they they effectively it's an outsourced operation. Uh, but every six months, I, I sit down with the truck drivers at at Hookers Pacific. Um, in uh, Christchurch, Wellington, Mount Monganui, and Auckland, which covers almost all of their drivers. And I just sit down and have a yarn. And we just talk about safety stuff, and they they tell me things. Now, the first time I turn up, they go like, oh, here's the new guy, and he's just you know showing off or whatever story they have, because you know, sometimes bosses do things. The second time I go back, and I go back every six months, they go, oh, maybe we should uh, pay more attention to what he has to say. And particularly when they, they tell me things and I go and do something with it. When I come back for the third time, then it's almost not quite like old mates catching up, but there's a relationship developing now and there's a more openness for them to hear what I have to say and, and equally for me to listen to what they have to say. So you know, it's, uh, those are just two things. I think there's two ends of a spectrum here. There's both the, the systems and procedures that you would mandate or contract your contractors or partners to do for you, but there's also you've got to show that you care. And that's you know, my way of showing that I care about the drivers is to go and have a sausage roll with them and, and chew the fat over a bunch of stuff. And I can tell you what, they give me more advice on what I need to be doing to improve customer satisfaction than many of my own people. <laughs> so there are benefits there for you too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, if I, if I make sure that I genuinely listen to what they have to say and I do something about it, well, then they'll be more trusting and open around raising perhaps some of the issues around safety that they, they wouldn't otherwise raise. And I think I'd say is always make sure that there's someone from their own hooker specific management team who's in the conversation with me so that we come across as being it's not just Z parachuting in. This is actually management, both the, the contract provider manager as well as the contract receiver. We're about to go through a major change in New Zealand health and safety with the new regulator, WorkSafe New Zealand, about yeah. to come online in December. What are your thoughts on these changes and how are they going to affect uh, your business, or how should other people be thinking around these changes? Yeah, I think it's, you've got to be very careful when you are in business and regulations change. You've, you've got to be careful you just don't relate to it like I'm being done to. Right? So, because sometimes you know, regulations can get in the way of running a good business, if I could sort of trot out that cliche. So, what I and, and certainly my colleagues work very hard to do is to really understand why this is happening. You know, what's the context for it? If we really get connected to that, then you know, regulation or, or changing regulation can occur differently. So we very we use the word context a lot inside Z. If you don't have the context for something, what you're being asked to do doesn't always make sense. So we work really hard to understand the context, uh, and, and then we uh, get really hard to work really hard at understanding. Well, what are we committed to here? Is it just meeting the minimum obligation, or can this actually enrich what we're doing? So we're actually completing an exercise, and I've got a conversation on it tomorrow, actually. We've done already some work to identify the gaps between our current HSC management systems and our strategies and our goals and our, and our policies versus what we think is coming. So we think, again, by being proactive and early on that, it doesn't feel like a club that comes along on a particular date that you get beaten up by the regulator on. So that's the other aspect to it, is I'd encourage people to be uh, proactive so it doesn't feel like you're jumping you know, there's a big step change between what you're currently doing on one day and then the new month starts, there's something else happening there. And then I'd go back to that values perspective and I'd say, yeah, within your company, what really matters and how does this changing legislation, whether it be the requirements upon you as a, as a director, as a chief executive, as a frontline safety leader or just as a general employee, 
yeah, what about this matters to you? Because if you can't find something in it that matters to you, then I suggest you're just going to come at it again from a perspective of compliance. So again, we're thinking quite carefully about in terms of the values inside Z or what matters to Z, how does this help us get after what matters to us? As opposed to, wow, here's some more rubbish coming down the pipeline that's going to create costs inside the business. Yeah, we're very, very connected to, and actually the, the work we've done said there are some gaps. So as much as we might have thought that we've got a reasonable safety record, we've got good systems, there are some gaps between the way we were doing things and what is now ex- likely to be expected under this legislation. From the directors all the way down, we've already talked about it a couple of times at the board. And there are probably business owners listening right now, even potential chief executives who may not com- be completely sold on health and safety. Mm. Uh, people use many arguments from the moral, legal, or the increase in business productivity or a combination of those to convince people on the need to, you know, embed yeah. health and safety. Yeah. Uh, and you've talked about those already. But are there any other thoughts or arguments that you would like to put forward for people to embed health and safety into their business? Yeah, that's a really great question. I, actually, I wouldn't offer up any one answer. I'd sort of give a generic one where I would say, you've got to find what works for you or what what matters to you such that you, you connect to it. So for some people that might be, actually, if and, and this is also my experience, if you run a really good, safe operation, it's usually quite efficient, which means it's low cost. Right? You could equally come at it from the moral or the values perspective. Um, I, I know that you know, ultimately if someone ever got died or died or seriously hurt for something I'm responsible for, I've got to face off to the family. And so that's something that, that really gets really gets me. And so I think everyone has got to find the thing that gets them into the game. Or in other words, what's the game, what's your game worth playing around safety? And it might be, well, if I get to be more safe, we'll run, we'll be more efficient and we'll make more money. That's a game worth playing for some people. Uh, for me, my game worth playing is to make sure that when people leave my care during the day, they go home to their families at night in as good a shape as they arrived. And I should also say, and by the way, I don't mind making money out of running a safe operation either. So it's not one or the other. But I get, I think that I just really reinforce that point. What really gets you committed to safety and find, find the thing for yourself? Okay, now is there anything else you want to add or put another way, is there a question that you wouldn't want me to ask around health and safety? Yeah, there is actually. And I've, I'm, you can see that, of course, our listeners can't. I've got a document printed off in front of me and it's, it's written by a guy called James Reason, who was sort of the person who first put out the concept of the Swiss cheese model, where when all the slices line up, you, you get yourself an accident. And that was obviously written a number of years ago. And he's, he's recently written about uh, what he calls uh, safety paradoxes and safety culture. And, and again, I love paradoxes because that's actually how the world works. It's not as simple as, you know, if you do this, things will be safe. And uh, he, he put down a couple of things here that I think if you had have asked me, yeah, what's our safety record like? Um, I'd say, well, it's reasonably good. And you could have said to me, well, you should feel, you should feel good about that. And, and what James Reason points to is that, um, he, and I'll quote from him, he says, safety is defined and measured more by its absence than by its presence. Uh, however, so often in safety, we, we concentrate on the things we do wrong, lost time injuries, first aid cases. Uh, so it's the, it's the presence of those things rather than anything else. And so I, I think that this whole notion of paradoxes, so when you say, yeah, we, uh, yeah we've signed up for the zero harm uh, workplace environment. 
well, will we ever get to zero? Well, well, no, we won't. We won't. If we hit our targets for the year, is that a good or a bad outcome? And what I say, to, certainly to myself and to my team, is that the number or the result is just the result. Let's not get too worried about whether it's good or bad, but what are we going to do about it? Because I think it's very easy in safety to treat it like any other performance metric, and you tend to judge it. If it was three last year and it's one this year, you've done a great job. Well, what I'd say is actually one is clearly different to three, but does that mean you've actually got safer or are you actually less safe, but you actually haven't had the incidences to record? So again, it's that whole notion of paradox. It's never as straightforward as it seems. And I think that's where, again, where I think safety leaders can get into trouble because they expect a good management system will make things better. New legislation will make things better. Uh, it won't. It's going to be lots of little things. And I worry as much about a, a month in which we have no safety incidents as I do about the months in which we do record something going wrong with safety. Great. Thank you. And that's a great place to finish. And what I'll try and do is put a link to that article if we can get it online. But if people, listeners do want to get hold of Mike or know more about Z Energy, they can do so through the website, uh, z.co.nz. And that's the letter Z, z.co.nz. And thank you very much, Mike, for your thoughts. Great, Tony. And thank you very much for the opportunity to share them. This has been another episode on Workplace Safety by Tony Collins. For more tips, visit safetyhub.co.nz and join the free newsletter.